Parents. Weird parents. Hello. What was that? <laughs> that was Thriller. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because we are in the throes of spooky season. Right, okay. That's fine. You just took me... You gave me a spoop. <laughs> that was pretty bad, wasn't it? You took me by surprise there. My tired brain did not compute what you were doing. Welcome to Weird Parents, the podcast where we talk about how weird it is being a parent. My name is Coop and I'm joined by my wife, Sammy, also known on Instagram as Pop Punk Pets and Parenthood. Hello. Welcome, Sammy. How are you feeling today? I'm very tired. Yeah, Sammy's been put through the ringer this week. A little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. But add a few stresses. Don't need to go into too many details, but... A few family emergencies. Family emergencies, family pet emergencies. I'm just very done. Done. Very done. Same. So if we're a little bit uh, muted today, that's what it's all about, isn't it? We're a real parenting podcast. We talk about when it's shit and we talk about when it's not so shit. (laughs) Indeed. So, yeah. Today we're talking about disturbing and weird fairy tales, which I'm sure you've all heard some of these. Some of them are as old as time itself. Maybe as old as Sammy and some of her pants that she has. How dare you? <laughs> Most women have old pants. Don't come for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of those because, yeah, we're really excited about today because there's quite a few, like, just completely strange ones. There's quite a few, like, really disturbing ones, which are like, how are these meant to be told for kids? Um, and then there's some, I guess, little funny ones as well. Yeah. We like the funny ones. I like the funny ones. housekeeping noise petition come nah. up guys i have had one dm about the housekeeping have you noise. i didn't yeah. know that yeah um friend of the pod shirley shell girl 68 she loves my housekeeping noise she said bring it back see? and i said i want to see a petition For i want God's to see names sake. no 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 just let me do my housekeeping noise it's got to be a different one this time you got to come up with a new one i don't i don't know um bing bong Housekeeping. <laughs> I'm so tired. <sighs> also, can we just appreciate the fact that I said bing bong instead of ding dong because B has been watching so much Inside Out that I just automatically said bing bong. Yeah, I mean, she has been crunching or cr- crushing. She's been crushing She's Inside been Out, hasn't she? Crunching the numbers. <laughs> she has been crushing Inside Out. She's watched it back to back like three times in and a row some days. She's moved on to Nightmare Before Christmas now. Yeah. Back to back, which is fine, but a bit scary for a two-year-old. So I saw a very silly tweet on Twitter mm-hmm. the other day, spoopy-themed. The uh, the poet Joyce Carol Oates, don't know if you know her, She's like one of these like anthology. No, I don't. I don't. Well, she's a poet, and I don't know if she is joking in this tweet, but she got completely like raked, annihilated. Yeah, after posting it. But basically, someone uh, named uh, Vic Doherty um, posted a picture of her house with skeletons climbing up it, like fake skeletons. Spooky, scary skeletons. Obviously, fake ones. Yeah, they're cool. I like that. I'd do that. It looks great, um, but. Joyce Carol Oates, like completely randomly, this this person doesn't have a blue check against their name, they're just some absolute randomer. She just tweeted, in brackets, right, Mm. you can always recognise a place in which no one is feeling much or any grief for a loved one lost and death and dying, and everyone you love decomposing to bones is just a joke to them. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. So what she's saying is you just shouldn't get the skeletons out during Halloween, because if you get skeletons out, you're disrespectful to dead people. Yes. What? <laughs> like, seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> That's... Oh, darling. I feel there's some unresolved issues going on there. Yeah. she. I mean, she got she'd fucking, annihilated. She'd fucking ate yeah. my house. She just completely ignored everyone doing it. So That's why I think maybe it was a joke, but I don't know. She wouldn't like our house. Um, the best reply to that was from a user called at 
aisle 10 girl. And she said, three 12 foot tall skeletons will visit her tonight and teach her the true meaning of Halloween. The tutti, what's it called? The skeleton tutu. Did you ever see that? Tutti little... muk no, something? No, the funny little skeleton that used to go around Facebook around spoopy season. I'm hoping he comes soon. He pops up and it's like, this is Mr. Skeleton Tutu. He wishes you luck. Share him on with your friends. And every time he pops up, I share him. I've seen the dooting skeleton. Oh, was that him? The dooting skeleton. But it's a really like obnoxious, like, doot. It's not good. Oh, no, this is just a little little skeleton with a horn. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll have to get this up now that you've mentioned it. I've not ever seen it as a video. I've only ever seen a picture. Oh, no. I'm bending. This is it. Doot, doot, Mr. Skeletor original. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I've just seen the name of it. Doot with the sickness. Amazing. This is going to be the best thing I've ever heard, isn't it? There's a long intro on this song. He's poised, look at him. (laughs) It's just a little cartoon skeleton. With a horn, ready to blow. Best thing I've ever, I've ever heard. <laughs> Amazing. 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 How many of them is there? Billions. <laughs> That's where I know the updo skeleton thing. Well, I want to, I've, I'd updo, I've updo the updo. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, that's all the housekeeping I've got. Nothing too strenuous today. No. 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 The only thing that we do have to do is our spooky mood setter. Mm-hmm. That was a really, that was a rubbish mood setter. <laughs> That sounded like you were shivering. I did just have a little bit of a jaw seizure. Um, Yeah, today's spooky mood setter was actually a a memory from my brother again. Oh lord, another one. We were catching up about his his story last week about the gravestone, which if you haven't listened to it, go listen to last week's episode. It's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's ridiculous. It? It's, it's cool. His, it's his finest achievement, he said, as a, as a prank when That's he was hilarious. a kid. That's um, But yeah, he, he said it triggered his memory a little bit from when... So my great-grandparents used to caretake for Silverlands Nursing College, which used to be an old orphanage mm-hmm. in Surrey. So they used to caretake there and live on site and oh, okay. lock it up at night and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And That's scary. It hasn't been in use for years. It's currently, like, completely abandoned. Um, That's terrifying. And, yeah, and it hasn't been used for a long time. So when they were caretaking for it, um, they're basically just locking the doors at night and going in, just, like, locking stuff up. But it was some, empty. Yeah, and it was it was used for some things. Like, it was used for filming locations, um, but it's just, like, an old NHS property that is just fall into complete use for filming what like scoop spooky films yeah there's like horror films that have been filmed there and stuff um i've got a few pictures for sammy to look at oh mate no um so yeah my great grandparents used to live on site there. hell no there are demons in there i'm telling you now (laughs) it used to be an orphanage yeah it's so what a beautiful big building though yeah no thank you very much but anyway, my brother... Uh, can we just take a minute to zoom in on this photo? Is there blood written on the walls? <laughs> it's probably just graffiti. It's been, like, abandoned for a while looks now. like blood! Um, but, yeah, my... It's all right, safety. <laughs> fire extinguisher. A really old fire extinguisher. <laughs> my... So, one time, my great-grandparents were on holiday or something like that, and they couldn't lock it up. So, my granddad was locking it up, and he took Mark along with him. What? And he said it was just like terrifying because it was night time um, and they were going around all the like all the rooms having a look around because he wanted to show Mark and stuff like that. And my mum and dad were with them as well. And they were just having a look around all the abandoned rooms and stuff and how there's just like. How old was how old was Mark? Young. I think it's before me. Why would you why would you take a young child <laughs> into a building like that? Yeah. And apparently like they went down in this really horrible lift into the cellar. <gasps> and Mark said it was like there were flickering lights. Oh my god. <laughs> he said it was like a proper horror movie. <laughs> That's terrifying. You didn't see any demons or ghosts. No, it was just like it's just so 
desolate there. There's like nothing there apart from just destroyed. Is it still abandoned housing. now? Yeah, yeah. I wonder why. Why the NHS don't do anything with it? Probably just the amount of money it would take to keep it, like upkeep it and it's repair a big it. Old house. Yeah, it's yeah, it's proper old. Oh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. That's spooky. So today we're going to talk about some weird and disturbing fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Now, I've already done a degree in English literature. Oh, so... I've already done a degree in English literature. <laughs> so I'm not going to like bash you over the head with research and I, shit. Cause... I'm not going to psychoanalyze anything. No, what I'm saying is I've done my fucking time. <laughs> I'm not an expert in this. And I didn't. I did some research, but I didn't go like really deep. So I did my writing. <laughs> Three years of it, a fucking Plymouth Uni. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I've done a dissertation. I'm not going to fucking like exhume all that stuff to like start it's talking right. about it again. It's okay. Anyone would think you had a little bit of a chip on your shoulder about the whole situation. It's okay. That's just, just mean. Te- just tell us, tell us what your research was. It wasn't a useless degree. It wasn't. No, it wasn't a useless degree <laughs> compared to Avenue Q. Like they sing about the English degree, don't they? Being yeah. A useless yeah, degree. Yeah. So yeah, I won't like. Because I won't go into, like, all the history about fairy tales and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I will, like, pepper it with some contextual bits so it all makes sense to everyone just when we're getting it. A little bit of season. Yeah, just, just a doing, bit of... I'm doing the steak guy. The salt oh, bay. That's it. Salt bay, that's it. I thought his name was steak guy. He's a he's an absolute grifter at the moment, isn't he? Is he? Have you heard what he's done? No. Set up a restaurant in London where he's, like, serving, like... Is it called Salt Bay? I think it is. Amazing. Something like that. But yeah, he just like serves steak for like a grand and just does his little thing. Because he literally does his funny little seasoning yeah. off the end of his elbow yeah. trick. He's making bank. I would love, I would, <laughs> I would love to hear Gordon Ramsay's opinion on him. <laughs> I don't think he's that good a cook. No, that's what I mean. I would just love to hear what Gordon Ramsay thinks of his little elbow seasoning. <laughs> but I guess the basics about fairy tales that you need to know are that at the end of the day, they're a type of folklore. So, you know, kind of like legends, myths, indeed. Um, yeah. you know, songs, all that kind of stuff. It's all tied in with that, all that stuff. But with fairy tales, they're not quite myths or legends because they're quite clearly set in like fantastical places, mm. places that either are vague or don't exist. Mm. Um, and they also tend to be set once upon a time. A lot of them start with once upon a time. Yeah. And they don't really use names of places or anything like that. And it's always like magicians and princes and yeah, wizards yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that's where they're kind of different to like legends and myths and other folk tales. Yeah. Um, it's and... like, look, there's no no chance it could be real. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the idea behind a fairy tale is that there is like a anthropological purpose behind it. Mm, most of them do. It's meant yeah. to like warn children, mm-hmm. like give a moral of the story and... Like, I don't know, tell the child not to go off into the forest mm-hmm. or not to go off with strangers. Yeah. That's kind of, I guess, the reason Otherwise why fairy tales... Otherwise you end up being a housewife for seven little men. <laughs> seven little men. Yeah. Seven little people, yeah. 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 It does happen. Ooh. I've seen it happen. Have you? <laughs> In the Sunday sport, it's not... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess the, the first one to talk about, if we're mm-hmm. going like right back to the... Um, early fairy tales and stuff. The OG fairy tales. Yeah, like Little Red Riding Hood is one of like the oldest ones yes, around. It's yes. been retold like on cave paintings in every continent. Really? Oh yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know that. There's always been like depictions of it since time How has been strange. recorded. Yeah, and I guess the original kind of written versions or the original like known versions are from like you can go back to like 10th century France where mm-hmm. you start to hear stories about it mm-hmm. um but essentially there's a story about either a, a peasant girl and right. she goes and sees an ogre or a wolf uh-huh. in the forest um but yeah there's just a million different versions of it you can get it in like Asia and stuff like that oh cool but as all fairy tales tend to start the original versions are much Darker, darker yeah and much more disturbing yeah um for example in kind of the earlier european versions um what you have is you have the grandma mm-hmm. so she goes into the woods mm-hmm. to go see her grandma mm-hmm. the grandma's been some way like desecrated by a wolf or an ogre yeah 
Um, and in some of the earlier versions... Absolutely murked. Yeah, yeah. just murked up. Yeah. And some of the earlier versions, um, the wolf actually tries to make Red Riding Hood eat the grandma. I'm sorry? Yeah, they they... The wolf or the ogre dresses the meat up so it looks like steak. So it's always said so that the more the story has always been about deception. Then has it? Yeah. No matter what version's told. Yeah. Although that's pretty freaking dark. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it always makes it, that's automatically making me think of that South Park episode. <laughs> Which one? The Scott what's his name. Scott Tenerman must die. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Uh, how does it taste, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Where he makes his, you know, cooks Scott's parents up into chili. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Like, the the wolf turns the grandma's blood into wine and then makes Red Riding Hood eat it. Question. I love that she's just accepting food from a wolf. Well, that's the thing. Like, in some cases, she's the ogre's dressed up as the grandma. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And the... Oh, the wolf's dressed Sometimes as they are deceiving her. Uh-huh. And in some versions, they get her to take off her clothes, uh-huh. throw it into a fire in the fireplace okay and get into the bed with the wolf or the ogre whoa to then devour her to eat her so okay it's always kind of had that like you know being wary of strangers or even in some cases being wary of even those you're familiar with Mm. because they could you know do something to you so none of these versions she lives there are versions where she lives where she outwits the ogre and the wolf so There's one version where she um, she escapes uh-huh. by saying, I, I think I need to go to the loo, I think is what she says. Oh. And she escapes, um, but the wolf has tied her to a bit of string or something and she escapes from the bit of string. Right. Yeah. So there isn't the, the woodcutter in that version. So the woodcutter wasn't introduced until later. Yeah. Until like Brothers Grimm kind of time. Out of interest, what version of Little Red Riding Hood did you hear as a child? So I the, wonder if it's different to the version I heard as a child. Yeah, the version I heard as a child was that the um, the woodcutter came and saved the day and chopped up the wolf and got the grandma out. Yeah, yeah, that's the version I yeah. always heard. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's like Brothers Grimm kind of territory. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the original version of Red Riding Hood is much darker and over time it's become more sanitised and I guess Red Riding Hood over time is less of a heroine. Like, she doesn't save the day or anything no, like that. She or gets... She's not a victim at the end of the day. She's, like, a damsel as yeah. it goes further along. Yeah. And the grandma perishes. But then in an earlier version, she gets saved. Oh, that's so, very interesting. So, yeah, Red Riding Hood has been around for thousands of years, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Um, but fairy tales didn't actually get written down until kind of, like, mid-17th century. So, like, the 1600s. Right. So before that, these are like oral versions or pictorial versions. Yeah. But when you get to like 17th century Europe, that's when people start to write it it in books. Cool. Um, And I guess it was only really like the aristocrats and the people that were wealthy enough to read and write. You just burped, didn't you? I'm so sorry. I kept my mouth closed in the hope that it didn't come out. I think it came out my nose. Your face just exploded. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the wealthier people could read and write, so they were the ones, you know, creating the narrative, uh, I guess, in a way, yeah. if you know what I mean. Rich, so to... rich men making her into a damsel as opposed to a heroine. Exactly, yeah, kind of like influencing Spitting it. Spitting dem truths. Yeah, yeah, or lack of truths, lack untruths. Of truths. untruths. Yeah. indeed, indeed. Um, the next one I was going to talk about is Sleeping Beauty. So that... Oh yeah, now I know that one's got a dark past. Yeah. You can imagine that it has a dark past if you think about like the... Yeah, the narrative. Yeah, I mean, so this was kind of penned in the the 1600s by the one of the earliest ones is by someone called John Battista Basilei. He's an Italian. I automatically thought basilisk. <laughs> but um, essentially, the tale it's all kind of got like mixed beginnings and stuff like that. But it's the, a bit rapey in it. Yeah, the the tale is that um, there's a prophecy about this this um, princess who goes into a deep sleep for 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, some reason, I think it's a a bit of flax, like a bit of plant that gets stuck on her fingernail, makes her good sleep for 100 years. Okay. At this point in Basile's version, a king comes along and finds her. Um, and I guess trigger warning at this point, it's not very nice what happens next. Um, but essentially he assaults her. Yeah. Sexually assaults her. She gives birth to two twins. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the king kind of like comes back to her every now and again to look after the children, which is really oh, strange. Weird. Yeah. She's but, still asleep at this point. Yeah, she's still asleep. She's giving birth. Um, some fairies come along and help her breastfeed as well. Wow, okay. <laughs> but the king goes back to his queen and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, okay. the, one of the twins sucks the bit of flax from off her finger. Oh, no. And she wakes up. That's what wakes her up. So there was oh, no prince. It's her child that woke her there's up. There's no prince coming to wake her up. It's her little baby that wakes her up. Sucks the bit of flax out from under her fingernail. Um, she wakes up. It's like, whose kids are these? Yeah. And I think, I can't remember if this is in Basile's version, but in one of the versions, um, the queen finds out about her. Oh, no. And a- attempts to, like, cook the babies or something <gasps> like that in a stew. But the Whoa. cook the cook says no. Oh, good. Don't think the babies ever get kicked, cooked in whatever version. Um, but the cook looks after the babies. Um, the king... I think this happens in some versions. The king kind of, like, outcasts the queen and then marries Sleeping Beauty. Right. The one that he, you know, sexually, sexually assaulted. assaulted. Um, but then there are some versions where he goes and lives with the queen and Sleeping Beauty goes off with their children. How peculiar. Yeah. So it's like the Disney version is... Nothing like that whatsoever. Like I mean, there's fairies, but they don't. There's no babies and there's no breastfeeding. <laughs> no, but I like how. So is she, so it's just she doesn't get cursed in the original one. It's not a curse. It's like a prophecy that gets told. So yeah, she's a princess. there is a prophecy in the in the Disney version. She's a princess, and but Malefic- Maleficent isn't in the. No, but that's over time. It's kind of twisted that the queen, so the king's wife, Maleficent. is Maleficent. Uh... That's what's been twisted over time. I see. When really, you know, she's like a woman scorned, isn't she? Well, that's the interesting thing because Maleficent, all the the, the films that have come out about Maleficent, she is a woman scorned. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So that's, I guess that's like the origin. And it's funny how over time things Morphed. get twisted yeah. again to like a prince saves her. Yeah, right. When really it's, what it is, is it's a prophecy where... She gets told at some point you'll... you Oh, what gets told is you will die. That's what the prophecy is when she's uh-huh. a princess. But what it is is actually a long sleep. Uh-huh. She doesn't die. I was seeing. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of switching it so that the men are not the bad guys in this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mm. weirdly enough. Mm. But when you go back to the origins, it's all kind of there. They're all bloody, rapey, murdery bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Who are keeping secret... Sleeping mistresses. <laughs> yeah. Unconscious mistresses. <laughs> with, with bastard children as well. Yeah. So those are like some of the early well-known ones mm-hmm. from way back when. So that's like 1600s Europe. Yeah. Um, what happened next is that you got groups of people that were like doing their own interpretations and writing them down. So okay. the oral ones became written and then there were people that were doing massive collections of them. Yeah. So one of those um, groups of people doing collections is the Brothers Grimm. They weren't like the first at all. They were like kind of late or mid 1800s. But yeah, they did like over 200. So they're really prolific. And that's kind of where they start to turn into children's tales. Yeah. So they were, the original oral versions were for children, Mm -hmm. like to warn them against things. Then the aristocracy kind of took over it. Um, for example, we had Madame d'Armoire in the 1600s. She actually coined the term fairy tale, but they oh. were for adults. Really? Yeah, they were like party stories. Okay. So she used to kind of dress up and do, like perform her stories. Oh. And she used to do like, they were literally stories about fairies. Oh my God, it's like Panto. Yeah, it was a bit like Panto. And all hers were kind of like... A bit like, I guess, feminist in a way is what you call them nowadays. Yeah. But it was always about like, I mean, she's got a fascinating story, which we could go into, but we don't have time for that today. <laughs> but yeah, she used to do like, uh, for example, there was a woman with looks so good that everyone that looked to her fell in love with her and then died. Like Medusa. <laughs> kind of like, I guess, Medusa yeah. in a way, like that myth. Except she just turns people to stone. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but yeah, hers were for adults. But when you get to more, like, Brothers Grimm, that's when they kind of turn into children's tales. Yeah. So, like, 200 years later or whatever. That's cool. So the Brothers Grimm, they did all, like, the original ones. They did Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood. They catalogued 
200 of them basically yeah. in their collections um but they also had like a lot of really strange ones a lot of really weird ones in yeah. there, which have over time not been used at all the first one i'm going to talk about is called the strange feast oh lord okay um but basically it's a story about a liver sausage <laughs> and a blood sausage um excuse me i have seen this it's called sausage party and i've seen the film <laughs> okay voiced by seth rogan yeah <laughs> jazz the tea <clears throat> but the, the tea. these two sausages are friends yeah well i'm glad that's good yeah and the blood sausage invites the liver sausage over for dinner what do sausages eat? That's a good question. What's not another sausage. Oh, I hope not. What? Yeah, what the fuck do sausages Maybe eat? Maybe this is where the term sausage fest comes from. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> when the liver sausage approaches, the little blood sausage's house gets a bit of a funny feeling for some reason. Okay. And she has like a vision. It's, it's a she, by the way. A sausage vision. Yeah. Okay. Has, and what she sees here... She sees a broom and a shovel fighting and a monkey with an injury. I'm sorry. That's what her vision is. They wrote this one on drugs. 100%. <laughs> well, no, it's a, the thing is they weren't, rewrite, they weren't writing originals. They were rewriting okay. oral stories that they'd heard. Drugs. 100%. So, so she has that vision, sees a little voice in her head as well that tells her to leave. So she runs. Um, and as she's turning to run, the blood sausage comes the, chasing the after sausage her. sausage runs. Yeah. It comes like the sparkler in episode two yeah, of yeah. ours. Yeah, it's got his little gammy legs. legs. Yeah. Um, and as she's running away, the blood sausage chasing her with a sharp knife mm. and says, if I would have caught you, I would have had you. It's a strange tale indeed. Uh, I don't know what the moral of the story is. Intuition? Trust your intuition? Yeah. Never trust your sausage friends. And cannibalistic sausage friends. <laughs> I wonder what they were having for dinner. I want to find out. Hmm. I don't. Well, she never gets to the door, so you never find out what they're actually going to be eating. A psychic sausage. Mash. <laughs> That's the story of a psychic sausage. Yeah. Hmm? The psychic sausage is what they should have called it. A hundred percent. Another brother's grim one, which. It's probably not that famous, but it's been retold countless times. It's called the Juniper Tree. Don't know if you've heard this one Rings before. Rings a bell. Um, yeah, so this is like one of the first um, fairy tales that they collected right. in their first edition. Um, and this is where they got a lot of criticism for saying this isn't for kids because it's so dark and right. disturbing. So it makes me wonder, like, over time, did they listen to criticism like that and dumb it down a little bit for children possibly yeah that would make sense yeah but yeah this is quite a disturbing one it was always seen as quite dark mm -hmm. um but yeah they didn't change the original story too much okay. anyway um but basically it starts out with this happy couple mm -hmm. um they can't conceive a child essentially so they're walking along and then the woman does something with this juniper tree i can't remember what she does um essentially she is just wishing for a child on the juniper tree yeah it takes like a year for her to get pregnant. She okay. eventually gets pregnant for some reason. Yeah. Um, she gives birth and she is so happy when she gives birth, she dies. Oh, so the, the child's made her so happy, she's, she dies. Okay. She passes away. Okay. Um, so eventually the man rears the child and he um, marries again. Okay. To a stepmother. Oh, oh, oh. So sounding like Cinderella. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's a wicked stepmother, it turns uh -huh. out. Has another kid with the stepmother. So okay. there's a boy and a girl. Uh, the boy's the original child. The, the daughter's the new one. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, the stepmother is wicked to the little boy. Mm -hmm. um, so much so that she chops his head off. Whoa. Um, when he's looking in a chest of drawers, she chops his head off. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Um, but when when he was like reaching in for an apple or something like that. I don't know what that okay. is. Anyway, he he um died. He, he dies. Yeah. Um oh sorry, I forgot to mention as well that the mother was buried under the juniper tree. Oh, okay. Don't know if that's an important detail. Okay. So she chops the boy's head off and then she feeds him to the father. Oh Lord, okay. Yeah, in a some kind of stew. And he loves it. He's like, Wow, this is the best stew I've ever eaten. Oh my god. And the daughter is like, 
really upset by all this. Uh, yeah, no shit. Yeah. And no one's listening to her. She's like, uh, you, should, you shouldn't eat that. And he's like, oh, it's so good though. Blah, 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 blah. And eats oh it up. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I wonder if it was sausage he turned her into. She turned her into. I... D- oh. <laughs> Is that it? No, no. So... Oh my God, it was just like, it's that That the happens. Room? And then she... So the daughter gets the bones from the stew and she buries them under the juniper tree. Uh-huh. And then the boy appears as a bird. So he comes out of the tree as a bird. Okay. And he flies over... He go, What he does first, he goes all around the town and tells everyone, my stepmother killed me, blah, 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 blah. So everyone's like, what the fuck's that bird going on about? <laughs> <laughs> and then the bird comes along. Is this where the term a little birdie told me comes from? Maybe. Mm. Yeah, because he's going around, he tells like... Going around chatting shit, chatting Tells packs. the goldsmith, tells like the blacksmith, everything in the town. The goldsmith, the, com- the common goldsmith. <laughs> Fucking hell, in a medieval town, the common yeah. goldsmith. He picks up a millstone. Okay. And then drops it on the stepmother's head and she Who's bursts it? into flames and dies. Wow. And that and that's it? Um, and then what happens next is that the boy, well the bird, turns back into the boy. And they live happily ever after. Wow. So another quite dark one, but with a happy ending, I guess. Not a I lot mean, of them have happy lot. endings. That was a lot. That took a that was a lot to get to that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It's huh. yeah, it's a long one. And that one's been retold ridiculous amount of times. It's quite a famous one. It's really funny because but all of these stories are making me think of Into the Woods. What's the Into musical. the Woods? Oh, the musical. The musical. But right. the weird thing is, is in the musical Cinderella's step, uh, Cinderella's mum isn't buried under a juniper tree, but she, she goes to a tree to see her mum. Yeah. And it's making me think of that. Could be that. I mean, like, a lot a lot of these are kind of like Ouroboros, like the snake yeah. eating itself. Also, the whole thing with the witch is the baker and his wife can't have a child. Mm. So they... Because, and they can't have a child because of a curse. But it's all very, like linking back to it isn't it yeah so that was all the brothers grim stuff mm-hmm. um and what happens next is you get someone called hans christian anderson yeah he's like another prolific fairy tale teller mm-hmm. and he wrote like 160 or something like that as well yeah um but he again he took some of the really classic ones and kind of did his own interpretation of them right um and his were much i guess darker Okay. So, like, the famous ones he did, he did, like, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Oh, and stuff Lord. Like that. Yeah, so he yeah. had some ones from around the world as well. Yeah. He, his kind of get a bit more darker uh-huh. as you go further along. Um, I won't talk about some of the famous ones because, like, you guys know those stories. Like, mm-hmm. you'll know a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale if you heard it. So it's kind of like Brothers Grimm. As you hear them, you're like, oh, that's the version I know. Yeah. They, they are the European versions. Yeah. But yeah, he had a lot of obscure ones as well okay. in his collections. This one's called The Shadow. Ooh. So a, a young man catches a glimpse of a beautiful maiden standing on a balcony and becomes obsessed with learning her identity. One night he jokingly tells his shadow to creep in through the crack in the door and learn what he can about her. The next morning, the young man discovers that his shadow is gone. But this isn't such a tragedy as a new shadow starts growing from the stump of the old one. With a brand new shadow, the young man returns home. Years pass before a very thin and beautifully dressed stranger pays him a visit. The stranger claims to be the man's old shadow. He found an otherworldly twilight in the house across the street, where he learned everything there is to know, including how to recognise himself as a man. Then the shadow crept naked into the world. He slid up shadows in the moonlight and peered through windows where he saw despicable things happening between husbands and wives and parents and children. Things that no one ought to see, but everyone secretly wants to know about. The secret, evil conduct of their neighbours. So I'm guessing he saw, like, all this... Horrendous stuff. ...debauchery and horrible shit. Um, So with that knowledge, he begins to blackmail people, the shadow. (laughs) So that's how he gets his riches and gets well-dressed and his his beautiful clothes. Anyway, more years go by. So the man who lost his shadow falls uh-huh. into poverty, um, but his shadow returns again and convinces him to come on a journey with him. And the former master doesn't know it yet, but the, the shadow longs for a man to be his own shadow. 
So they go to a healing bathhouse and the shadow tricks a princess into falling in love with him. He shows her that his own shadow, who is his old master, Mm -hmm. um, not only looks like a real man, but also has a shadow of his own, which the princess finds really impressive. The princess asks the shadow to marry her, but the former master tries to put a stop to the wedding, as it is not right for a woman to marry a shadow who is only pretending to be a man. The shadow tells the princess that the shadow has gone mad and has started to think he is a real man. That night, a magnificent wedding takes place, but the former master doesn't get to see the festivities, for he has already been executed. Uh, When you first started it, it made me think of Peter Pan. Yeah. It did? Yeah. And then this just just gotten a bit bit crazy. Yeah, so it's like... Because Peter's... Shadow's always out of control, isn't it? Yeah, it goes off on one, doesn't it? Yeah. goes off on its own little tangents, yeah, well, doesn't it? he goes it? in chasing it, because it goes into Wendy Darling's bedroom, doesn't it? And he's like, oi, get back here. doesn't quite turn into a peeping Tom, though, no. and start to blackmail, no. blackmail people, does it? No, but no. it could have. Could have. The potential was there, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what they loosely used to base it on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of his. I've got another one from him, which is like... I guess the the darkest one that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, essentially there's an, a story about another young man called John and he's wandering the world after his father dies. Oh. While he takes shelter in a church, John discovers two men attempting to desecrate the corpse of a man who owed them money before he died. John pays the corpse's debt, handing over his entire inheritance, inheritance oh, wow. to the new men. Broke but happy, he continues to wander until he meets a mysterious stranger who becomes his travelling companion. And through a series of adventures, the companion uh, gains three birch rods, a sword, and the severed wings of a massive swan. Okay. Eventually, John sees the most beautiful princess in the world. This sounds quite similar to the original one, the one I just read out. (laughs) Um, But he sees the most beautiful princess in all the world and falls in love with her, despite the fact she is actually a psychotic murderer. Oh, if a suitor cannot tell her what she is thinking three days in a row, he becomes a corpse in her garden of bones, Ooh. which is full of the skeletons of her suitors or people that tried to Love woo it. her. Love it. So in this macabre garden, skeletons of king's sons from all over the world hang from trees to rattle in the wind. And many are arranged like flowers made from skulls and bones. Pretty. So this is kind of like the Gothic, yeah. German, Germanic stuff yeah. coming into it. Massively so. Um, That night, John's companion straps the swan's wings to his back and Invisible follows the princess as she flies to the mountain, home of an evil magician. As she flies, he whips her with a birch rod until blood pours from her wounds. The companion witnesses many horrors within the mountain and finds the magician sitting on a throne, held up by all the corpses of four horses. Okay. Of the apocalypse? (gasps) (laughs) Nah, I think they're just four horses. four horses. The magician tells the princess what she must think about and reminds her to bring him John's eyes once he is beheaded so that the magician can eat them. So we've had cannibalism, murder... Okay, do you know what that's reminded me of? Two different things. Go on. It's reminded me of, one, the Deathly Hallows, because there's three different things. And two... <laughs> of course, you had to get Harry Potter well, reference. Well, sorry. And two, the eating of the eyes makes me think of Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Hmm. wonder if that's a fairy tale. That's like a myth. Yeah, like a folk a legend, Japanese isn't folklore, it? Yeah. That's a great movie. It's if you a good guys movie. haven't seen it, highly that recommend. One. Not for children. So the companion follows the princess home, beating her even harder and harder than ever before. And the next morning, he reveals to John what she is going to think about. For the next two nights, the companion follows the princess, taking an extra rod each time so that he may beat her harder during every flight. On the third night, the magician tells the princess to think of his own head which the companion later cuts off and gives to John. When the princess asks John what she is thinking of, he throws the severed head at her feet and she becomes his wife. Okay. The travelling companion instructs John how to break the curse, which makes the princess evil. And when John asks her how he could ever repay his friend, the companion explains that he has only been paying back his debt to John. He was the corpse from whom John gave the entire inheritance... John kisses his companion many times and begs him not to leave but the traveller vanishes leaving John to live happily ever after with his princess who luckily for John is no longer a prince killing monster 
It does sound a lot like Kubo and the Two Strings. <laughs> it does a little bit, it? does, it? especially with the companion and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he doesn't know the identity of the companion until the end. Exactly. Spoiler alert. Ah. So, yeah. gets very, like, macabre, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, very, like, yeah. dark as we go along. Um, the last one I'm going to talk about from Hans Christian Andersen is The Snow Child. Oh, Do you know this yes, one? Yes, I know this one. It's a much shorter tale, I guess. Um, yeah, this, this one disturbed me reading this. Yeah, so Hans Christian Andersen uh, retold this one as a merchant returns home after an absence of two years to find his wife with a newborn son. She explains one snowy day she swallowed a snowflake and while she was thinking about her husband, she conceived this child. Sure, love, sure. <laughs> pretending to believe... He raises the boy with her until he takes the boy on a trip and then he sells him into slavery. It's brutal. On his return, he explains to his wife that the boy melted in the heat. Yeah. That's one version of it though, right? Yeah. There's a couple of versions of The Snow Child. I've heard a different version. You've heard the Angela Carter version, haven't you? Yes, because I like Angela Carter. That's a great segue. So yeah, that that's the Hans Christian side, who's like eighteen hundreds, nineteenth century kind of guy. I guess from that point on, no one really did anything fun with fairy tales after that, until you get to the nineteen sixties with Angela Carter. And I love Angela Carter's version. Yeah, of things. she's she's one of my favourite writers. She she retold so many different fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, one of her best collections is called The Bloody Chamber, which is kind of doing it a disservice to say it's retellings of fairy tales because they are like their own stories. Yeah. But she was like a very progressive second wave feminist. Yeah. Um, very progressive in the way that all her stories kind of contain like identity politics and sexual politics. Mm-hmm. Um, they deal with things like virginity that people were not even talking about in the 1960s. Um, and she like for lack of a better word, she's like an in-your-face writer, isn't yeah. she? Oh, massively so. She, and also, like, she yeah. knows how to deliver shock value. That's it. She? It's the ending. Especially when you, you... If you go into reading her stories like, I'm going to read a fairy tale, the ending is even more shocking because you're like... And I, everyone I finished, every time I finished it, I was coming to you like, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. So she retold The Snow Child. She um, did. And she kind of... Well, as I said, she like put her own slant on it completely and mm. retold it into her own version. Um, Sammy's going to read The Snow Child. Yeah. Okay. And what Angela Carter's version was like. I'm going to read The Snow Child. Yeah. Okay. Midwinter, invincible, immaculate. The Count and his wife go riding, he on a grey mare and she on a black one. She wrapped in glittering pelts of black foxes and she wore high black shining boots with scarlet heels and spurs. Fresh snow fell on snow, already fallen. When it ceased, the whole world was white. I wish I had a girl as white as snow, says the Count. They ride on. They come to a hole in the snow. This hole is filled with blood. He says, I wish I had a girl as red as blood. So they ride on again. Here is a raven perched on a bare bough. I wish I had a girl as black as that bird's feather. As soon as he completed her description, there she stood. Beside the road, white skin, red mouth, black hair and stark naked. She was the child of his desire, and the Countess hated her. The Count lifted her up and sat her in front of him on his saddle, but the Countess had only one thought, how shall I be rid of her? The Countess dropped her glove in the snow and told the girl to get down to look for it. She meant to gallop off and leave her there, but the Count said, I'll buy you new gloves. At that, the furs sprung off the Countess's shoulders and twined around the naked girl. The Countess threw her diamond brooch through the ice of a frozen pond, Dive in and fetch it for me, she said. She thought the girl would drown. But the Count said, Is she a fish to swim in such cold weather? Then her boots leapt off the Countess's feet and onto the girl's legs. Now the Countess was bare as a bone and the girl furred and booted. The Count felt sorry for his wife. They came to a bush of roses, all in flower. Pick me one, said the Countess to the girl. I can't deny you that, said the Count. So the girl picks a rose, pricks her finger on the fawn, bleeds, screams and falls. Big content warning coming up. It's not It's not good. Weeping, the Count got off his horse, unfastened his britches and did something to the dead girl. I don't want to read it. It's <laughs> fair enough. The Countess reined in her stamping mare and watched him narrowly. He was soon finished. 
Then the girl began to melt. Soon there was nothing left of her but a feather a bird might have dropped, a blood stain like the trace of a fox's kill on the snow and the rose she had pulled off the bush. Now the countess had all of her clothes on again. With her long hand, she stroked her furs. The count picked up the rose, bowed and handed it to his wife. When she touched it, she dropped it. It bites, she said. Ooh. So what I mean by like it's quite progressive is that if you think back to the fairy tales that we've been talking about, that's the first one which kind of taps into like male psyche, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. The males aren't like these heroic, no, no, um, emotionless, you know, heroes, yeah. are they? In this version, the male is a selfish mm-hmm. kind of monster, monster, yeah, uh-huh. who is, you know, at the end of the day, he's um, fantasizing about having a child, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. And not, like, in a good way. No, in a um, horrific way. And, yeah, I think she's just absolutely brilliant writer. Who She managed to, like, I don't know, bring such cultural weight to everything that she writes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously also... I'm sure a lot of people, when I was reading the description of the girl, instantly thought of Snow White. Yeah. Because Snow White is the snow child, isn't she? Yeah. That's the whole... That's yeah, it's kind of been twisted, twisted it? Twisted around, and especially the, the Countess being... The, the mother, the stepmother, or the evil queen. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny because, again, it kind of brings that humanity to the to the male, mm. but also to the, the countess who's kind of jealous, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. Jealous because of this man's Lust obsession. for a child. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's just, like, musing, like, oh, I wish I had a child, and it appears before him because yeah. he's... The Count and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff. She is she is very good. The actual story, The Bloody Chamber, is probably my favourite one of that. Yeah, in, there. in that collection. That ending is just absolutely tickety-boo. <laughs> yeah. Tickety-boo. If you, if you get a chance to read it, read it. You've got to get through it. It's, it's quite dark, isn't it? And it's yeah. like... Um, every story in The Bloody Chamber is... Disturbing. Disturbing in that, like, even yeah. that's not even the most disturbing one no, in there. No, no, no. A lot of them, it's really gothic. So there's a lot of, like, vampires, werewolves, mm-hmm. like, talking lions, um, and a lot of, like, incest and Yeah, death. a lot of gross things. But honestly, that ending to The Bloody Chamber is just brilliant. And especially when you think of the time she was writing it in as well. It's just great. Um, so that's The Bloody Chamber, which is kind of like her fairy tales she also did a lot of cataloging of fairy tales from across the world Mm -hmm. um i'm just going to read this one because it's a really strange funny one okay um it's called old age Um, angela carter kind of retold it Uh um and it's a old inuit fairy tale apparently okay so kind of like alaska Mm -hmm. way north north america there was an old woman who was old blind and likewise unable to walk oh Once, she asked her daughter for a drink of water. The daughter was so bored with her old mother that she gave her a bowl of her own piss. The old woman (laughs) drank it all up and said, You're a nice one, daughter. Tell me, which one would you prefer as a lover? A louse or a sea scorpion? Uh, uh, Oh, a sea scorpion, laughed the daughter, because he would not be crushed so easily when I slept with him. Whereupon the old woman proceeded to pull... Sea scorpions out of her vagina, one after the other, until she fell over dead. Oh, is that it? Yeah. And there's some <laughs> lovely illustrations there of sea scorpions. That is my fucking worst nightmare. <laughs> I hate sco- I hate anything with pincers. Anything with pincers. Especially when they're coming out of your... Ah, uh, your hoo-ha. Your hoo-ha. What? Your doodah. Yeah. Question, so the... what's the moral of the story there? Don't... Well... Give... Don't feed your senile old mum piss. <laughs> she'll go mad. She'll, she'll start yanking scorpions out of a badge. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how much of that is Angela Carter's twist on it, but I think her book of fairy tales are much more straightforward, <laughs> like, compared to The Bloody Chamber. Yeah. So I think that's a true retelling of an Inuit that's hilarious. fairy tale. Yeah. 
Don't and, abuse your mother or she'll attack you with her vagina scorpions. <laughs> There's another one in, in here, um, which I won't read, but it's called Blubber Boy, which is another Inuit one. Yeah. And basically it's about a girl who wishes she had a boyfriend um, because her boyfriend died. Aww. So she creates one out of whale blubber. Um, and over time, <laughs> obviously, he melts oh. <laughs> and turns into like a little, like pustule of whale blubber. That's which then she keeps like recreating him and recreating. Him. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's a really good one. Blubber if anyone boy. Ever, ever reads it, it's called Blubber Boy. Oh. But yeah, Anjakaya, she is, she is the queen of strange fairy tales. She is, and I guess she, what she did with the the form of fairy tales, she kind of went back to like what Madame Danois was doing, performing her fairy tales and dressing up and stuff like that. Yeah, but she's she was done it in using form. Yeah. yeah, she was doing it like I guess bringing that feminist mm. slant back to it. She is. That's what I like the most about it is that it is literally she builds it up for you to think it's gonna just be the bog standard fairy tale that you're used to. And then flips it. And then flips it. Every time. Every time. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. The last fairy tales I want to talk about today mm-hmm. are the most insidious of them all. <laughs> You're going to say Disney, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The most, yeah, just downright Careful. disturbing. Careful. Oh, sorry. I don't want to anger the rat, do I? <laughs> Not the rat, he's a mouse. <laughs> Have some respect. I mean, I, I don't want to go into detail talking about Disney because... You'll we'll get sued. You'll get we, your ass sued. We want to do a deep dive on Disney, don't we, one day? Yeah, yeah. Whether it's a themed month where we just talk about Disney or whether we do, like, just one episode. There's so Can much to Can I just add in, into. I love Disney, by the way. Yeah, I know you do. I know. But, like, the the way I'm saying it, it's the most insidious and disturbing of all of, all of what we've been talking about today mm. is that... It's there's so much veneer on it. So you get like, I don't know, Cinderella, which is like a classic one, mm. where there was like gruesome and disturbing things in the original tale. Oh yeah, like the stepsisters cutting, cutting off their, their toes yeah. and stuff like that. The prince beheads them and stuff at the end. Uh-huh. Like the Disney version strips all of that out, and the stepsisters are just like wicked, aren't yeah. they? Just evil yeah, people. Yeah. But like, uh, do you the, think? Li- and the Little Mermaid. Well, yeah, the original Little Mermaid is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, don't you think where he strips out all those gruesome bits and he strips out all those, I guess, disturbing bits and the bits which are warnings to children mm. and just turns everything into, like, a happy, hyper-happy um, love fest, do you not think that's even more disturbing than, you know, telling your kids about, I don't know, Woman drinking piss. <laughs> That's not a good example. <laughs> but like, for example, the one about um, the travel companion, and we mm. talked about the hand, Christian Hansen. That's dark, a dark tale. But like, the images in children's head like will stick with them and kind of yeah, yeah. But also, I think you got to remember Walt Disney was always he was much more about the positive, and it was you know keeping it positive because let's be honest Cinderella there's still the emotional abuse is still in it yeah Snow White scared me as a kid the (laughs) Disney version it did the Disney version scared me as a kid all those trees and her getting banished and stuff I think it's still there it's just not it's just been toned down yeah a lot toned down a lot a lot yeah um modern Disney though I think is is pushing the boundaries a bit more as in there are modern Disney princess movies that they're not being saved by princes. Yeah. Are they? No. Like Frozen. We use Frozen as an example. That it's her, you know, it's her sister. And also Tangled. I love Tangled because she saves him in the end. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't seen the end of Tangled before. Yeah, she saves him. Yeah. Um, so it is. I think it's definitely changing. The tide is turning. Yeah, but yeah. But up and until, also, like, more... up until recently... They were very fairy tale driven, oh, weren't yeah, they? It was always like so. the princess yeah, gets yeah, saved by the prince so. and all that. But there kind was of a cut off point, wasn't there? You've got your original Disney princesses. And I remember the first Disney princess that made people go, Whoa, was Belle in Beauty and the, the Beast. Beast. Because again, she saves him, which the first time was like, What's going on? Where's the where's Prince Charming? Even the little mermaid, you know, Eric. 
saved help save her. Um, but yeah, Belle was always a brilliant one because as well, and, and as well with Beauty and the Beast, Belle was just she wasn't a typical. I mean, she wasn't a princess to start with anyway. She was the inventor's daughter. Yeah. But, like, I loved that Disney had her as, you know, books. She was a, she was a freak in her village because she read and she loved stories. A and witch. Things like, a witch, Berna! <laughs> um, yeah. So it's... I think it is, it is changing, but Belle was, I think, definitely the first princess to completely... Flip it on its head Flip it slightly. on its head. Yeah. Um, but think about it, like, recently as well, like Moana... She's a princess, but she doesn't. She saves herself. Yeah, saves her whole village. Yeah. Um, brave. Brave. No, I love brave because that's actually just a story about a mother and a daughter that isn't a isn't driven by a prince. Yeah. So I think they're just looking at it's it's changing. It's yeah. not the original damsel in distress come and save me. Um, and also the the male characters are given more. They're given more backstory more of a character yeah more emotional if, range yeah because if yeah. you think of prince sorry disney but if you think of prince philip and you think of prince charming in snow white and in Sle- sleeping beauty they're both very faceless characters yeah like in these fairy tales that we're talking yeah, about before, yeah. where they're just the prince like even in sleeping beauty like yes okay she meets him and they sing in the forest and it's i know you <laughs> all that jazz but there isn't any backstory to him there's no backstory they are literally just a faceless character that comes and saves the day yeah versus now there's like a you get more of a backstory and it's more like that's why i like tangled because it's a real sort of partnership yeah there's a reason for them doing what they're doing (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah also the fact that he starts off as a villain anyway it's great the the only thing i guess i can talk about with disney is that a lot of the stories weren't based on fairy tales, but they were based on like children's books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll probably, when we do our children's books part two, yeah. we'll talk about some of those in there because like some of them have got disturbing, <laughs> disturbing backdra- uh, backgrounds and content in them. Right. Okay. Hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, what, what are your final thoughts on fairy tales? Like, what do you think, what was your favourite one that you heard today that you might not have heard before? Oh, it's hard. I quite like the one that I said the the traveller, like the companion, the traveller. It did really remind me of Kubo and the Two Strings, yeah. which we need to research to find out if that was truly a a um, was it Japanese? Yeah, Japanese. A, I think it was like a myth. A myth. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. It's it's done by the same studio that did Coraline, um, and we went to the cinema to see it, didn't we? And there were this this dad with his two young kids in the seats behind, and it started. And I remember being like. <laughs> This is it's not got a spooky for beginning, children. hasn't it? If you think about Coraline and the other mother, it's similar. Yeah, there were that. two kids in front of us crying, weren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were going, don't want to watch this anymore, Dad. Yeah. And he was like, we're going. They left. Um, yeah. <laughs> but fairy tales, yeah, it's... it's. But there's... It's like fairy tales, I think, even now are being made constantly. Yeah. Aren't they? It's, it. Right, so at uni, if you spoke about fairy tales in a literary context... Uh-huh. It would be like you just picked up a ukulele and you're starting to play Wonderwall uh, with Uggs on. <laughs> you would pick that one. <laughs> with a man bun on. Like, it was so things. overdone. Like, it's the first stories that you hear as a child and people are still mm. retelling them today, aren't they? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, they're so overdone. But there's always still more to find in them. It's crazy. It is crazy. I think nowadays fairy tales, as I say, they are being told differently. Mm. Um, And to be honest, I know lots of mums that probably, you know, okay, fine, their kids watch Disney, that's fine, it's okay. But I don't know many people that would, like, tell their kids a fairy tale at bedtime nowadays. Yeah, because... I don't want my child to think a man's got to come and save her. Yeah, there's... They don't. They're not used for that anthropological purpose anymore, are no, they? No. They're used as a. Oh, here's a little funny story. So there you go. Maybe that's what Disney. What Walt Disney did in yeah. making them more. You know. What more Disneyfied? More like tame. Mm. Maybe he actually did the the world a favor in regards to not letting people use them as a form of guilt on their children. I guess. Or, yeah. or like a warning on their kids. 
Yeah. Especially if you're thinking about feeding a little boy to its father. Yeah, or pulling sea lob scorpions out of your vagina. <laughs> and that's going, oh, nah, I'm going to have nightmares about that now. Yeah. I dream that I'm going to have scorpions coming out of my vag. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've just listened to the second episode in our spooky season series. Woohoo. We'll be doing another episode next week. And I will be more caffeinated and good to go. <laughs> um, if you've got any questions for us, if you've got any stories to tell us for our spooky mood setters, if you've got anything at all, drop us a message on Instagram. You can catch us at Weird Parents Podcast. Slide into our DMs. Slide in there, please. <laughs> Have a good evening. Good night. Love you all. Bye. Bye bye.